Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the UNT College of Music In Context podcast, where we always dot our I's and pew our pews. Hey, it's me, one half of your host experience, Hayden Drew. I am, of course, always joined by the other half of your host experience, Miss Hannah Brayfield. Hello, it's me! And also joining us this week is someone I think most of you are familiar with, uh, Dr. Graff. Hi, Dr. Graff. How's it going? Pew, pew. Pew, pew. <laughs> pew, of course, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Getting through the lockdown. I have lockdown with kids, which is good oh, most boy. of the time. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Getting no, a lot of that. No, it's going to be so much fun. Oh, my son loves the Paw Patrol. Oh, oh my good. Uh, okay, yeah. Rubble. <laughs> Rubble is his favorite. <laughs> I know. Uh, I love the Paw Patrol. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I. A lot of these kids shows nowadays are like crazy. Okay, I grew up with like Dora, and it was simple. But now they're like. Uh, anyway. Simpler times. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, we like to start off these things with um, with a bit of the uh, like self journey type of type of stuff. So could you just walk us through a little bit of uh, I don't know why did you get into music? Why UNT? Why did you come back to UNT? <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, it's a great question. Everyone has their own kind of unique journey, um, and mine certainly you know, went in a lot of different directions before I wound up here um, in Denton. Uh, most people probably know that I'm from Maryland, that I grew up outside of Baltimore. Um, all, almost all my family works there, either for the government or teaching, things like that. Um, so I went to undergrad outside of Baltimore at Towson University. Um, I had no intention of being a theory professor. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> Zero. I wanted to be a high school band director, so I did music ed, um, and I had a great time. I, I still love music ed, really. I mean, I love teaching, as you all know, and uh, I got to the end of the degree, and I thought, wow, this is really great. Um, I did my student teaching, enjoyed every second of it, and I kind of came to the once-a-week meeting of all the student teachers. Um, we had this one class that kind of kept going through student teaching, and you could come back and talk to your classmates and kind of talk about student teaching a little bit. It was nice. And I noticed like at the end of the class, all my classmates would say, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to miss the teaching so much. Like, I just want to go back. I just want to keep going back to my classroom next Monday morning. And I was in my head, I was like, oh, you know, I'm (laughs) going to be okay without it actually. Like it wasn't like I didn't enjoy it, but I was totally fine to like move on to the next thing. Oh, so did you want to mm. go back to school like immediately? I I wanted to do performance. I had been doing some performing in the amusement parks. Have any of you been to uh, Hershey? The Hershey Candy Company has the amusement park in Pennsylvania. They, really? What? That's so cool. <laughs> you got to go. You got to go. The chocolate world is absolutely best. It's free. You get free chocolate. You do get yes. free chocolate. And if you work there like I did, you get lots of free chocolate, which is so cool. And uh, yeah, I had been performing um, for Hershey professionally, like every summer throughout college. And I'm like, man, I really like the performance aspect. You know, I like performing. I like like getting to the absolute best of my instrument, you know, and being in a really good ensemble. So I said, all right, I want to do performance for my master's, you know, and keep the teaching thing. Of course, you know, teaching always helps you with private lessons. And I took a bunch of auditions and wound up UNT was the best deal by far. Um, just absolutely stellar college of music, as everybody knows, and uh, a great price. So I came down on a trumpet scholarship. It had nothing to do with theory still at this point. 
um, I was totally into performance and I wanted to do uh, military bands, which a lot of people, Euphonium Studio, right? Hey, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like military bands, great job. And I kind of thought about, oh, well, you know, my family kind of works with the government. I'd be able to stay in Maryland because military, you know, a lot of them are in Maryland. Um, and then I got down here to Denton. I knew no one when I set foot in Denton. Um, I got into, I got in my shared ride off of the airport. And the guy was like, it says here you're going to Victory Hall, University of North Texas. And I was like, yeah, I don't really know where it is, but I hope the, the GPS tells you the, the right address because I have no idea where I'm going right now. I just told the guy straight up. But got there, I, I knew not a soul. I lived in Victory Hall across the highway there when I first got to, to UNT. You lived in And Victory? it was a blast. Wow. Absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, so I was a performance major. Um, and I did my wind studies audition, and you guys know how nerve-wracking that is. You know? <laughs> I, I think I could barely walk into, like, the room after like seeing Corporan and Fisher and Nick Williams in there. It was, it was insane, but uh, I did it nonetheless, you know, and I, I was in symphonic band and it, it was great. It was really fun. But after you start to register for classes, like when you're a performance major for masters, you have to pick like a, a secondary area or a minor, or a, you know, related field. And they had all these options, you know, it's like you can do wind conducting. And a lot of people chose that. You can do like some opera related stuff. You can do like music history, you know, musicology. Um, and then there's theory. And I was like, oh, heck, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. And you have to take all these exams and stuff. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to take all these exams on music history. Like, I don't remember all my music history from my class that I took three years ago. You know, I have no idea what chant melody <laughs> it is. So I took like the entrance exams. And my scores were fine, but, like, my theory scores were, like, by far the highest, you know. You had, like, dictations and sight singing and stuff. My theory scores were really good. And I was like, well, I know what I'm going to do for my minor. I'm going to do theory, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is easy. It'll be the easiest thing to do. That's literally why I started doing theories that I thought it would be the easiest thing to do. Was it, was it easy? Everyone else who was a trumpet major at the time for master's, like, my same class was, like, you're crazy graph like why are you doing theory that would be the hardest <laughs> one to do you should do something else like wind conducting you got a music ed degree and you did band directing as student teaching i was like actually i think theory will be easier <laughs> so you so didn't anyways, go into it being super passionate about music theory no not really that's hilarious I mean, I, wow because yeah. you seem so passionate when you're up there on the stand with mr theory man your greatest creation I, I yeah totally am. <laughs> i know and i am pa i kind of like grew into it you know what i mean like uh yeah and I uh, started taking theory classes, and then there was, like, an opportunity to do oral skills TF audition, you know, and they would kind of rank you and see if you were eligible for a TF spot in, in music theory. So when a lot of people don't know, when I was first a theory teaching fellow, I was not a theory major. I was a performance major. Oh, that was wow. a theory TF. So you beat the odds. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the only ones, and then, uh, and then I changed my major to theory after that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I took my theory classes pretty seriously in undergrad. Um, but uh, it was oral skills too. I like kind of, I've told some of you this story in office hour, but I kind of like, my girlfriend was at the time was in the class and you know, I kind of got a little sidetracked at times, I will fully admit. And uh, <laughs> my teacher pulled me, I knew I was gonna make an A in the class, you know, just based on talent. I'm not saying that in a braggy way, but I'm saying <laughs> that like, I wasn't giving my full 100% effort is what I'm saying. Cause I knew that I would get by and probably make an A either way. Yeah. And my teacher took me aside and was like, you know, like, 
if you actually like give 100%, you could be like really good at this instead of just like getting by and making your 90, you know? Yeah. And at that point I was kind of like, oh, gulp, you know, like I don't want to be that guy, you know? So I kind of started taking it more, more seriously at that point for my, for my theory stuff. And that's when I kind of got more passionate about, about theory, but yeah, so music ed and then performance and then theory for, for PhD. So yeah, and I don't have a music history degree. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, so when you were a doctoral student at UNT, was that an immediate, like, all right, I know that I want to go be a doctoral student like right now and I want to go teach theory. Like, was that suddenly an exciting thing or? It was the, the like prospect of teaching theory got me really excited when I got my RL skills TF job. Okay. Like I didn't yeah. realize how much I was going to like it. You know, I kind of thought of it as like, I need money. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and I knew nobody in Denton. Like it wasn't like I was going to go call some old band director friend of mine and be like, Oh, can I like teach trumpet at your school or something? Like I knew no one. I had no connections whatsoever. So, you know, I had my first year of theory class under, under my belt, which was like maybe a class or two, you know, of my, of my minor. And I thought, well, if I can win this RL skills TF job, then like I've got a full ride, you know? Yeah. And uh, I thought of it. And then when I got in the classroom and started doing it, I was like, wow, I love this. Like, I don't just <laughs> like this. Like, I'm getting up really excited <laughs> about this and I want to like do more with this. You know what I mean? Wow. And those uh, RL skills classes are always super early yeah. in the morning. So. Oh, yeah, that, everyone's like, like oh, why would you want to uh. be 8 a.m. RL skills one? And, like, how does that get you so amped? But I'm like, yeah, I'm so amped for this, not even going to lie. So, yeah, that's that's definitely true to this day. I, like, totally get psyched for, for RL skills. I love it. What is it about it that makes you excited? Is it, like, the kids or oh, kids? We're all the same age, but <laughs> I am the kid. <laughs> I definitely had students that were older than I was when I was first in RL skills. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I think it's like the, it's like the music making together, like the fact that it's like so fundamental to everyone, you know, and that like everyone can make mistakes together and like nobody's like a perfect aural skills, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's great. Um, and like the fact that we can just make stuff happen on the spot, you know what I mean? I try to do that in my theory class too. Like obviously you guys like to sing a lot in theory class and I like it when you guys sing and make harmonies. And <laughs> you can kind of hear like what we created live, you know? It's, it's very so cool. Jacob Collier-esque. <laughs> yes, wow. no, for sure. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is. No, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Oh, uh, listeners, for those of you who weren't here in the fall of 2019? Yeah. 2019? I think that was – I forget when Jacob Collier fall. showed up to con- – to, oh, it was spring of 2019. He showed up to campus, mm. and he started his uh, – he started this lecture that he had in the recital hall um, with – the exact same thing that Dr. Graff does in his theory class. He pointed a part of the ensemble, or he pointed a, pointed a part of the large audience and was like, he hummed a pitch, and they sang it. Then he pointed to another part of the ensemble, or they're not an ensemble. It's a bunch of kids just sitting there <laughs> in the class. They, they're not all vocalists. And right. so he got them all to sing in these different harmonies, and he moved his hands in the ways that showed where he wanted their harmonies to go, and he demonstrated the pitch. And... He is like demonstrating the wonders of thinking about music theoretically and the wonders of voice leading. And Dr. Graff conveys a very similar concept in his uh, theory class, which if you haven't taken, you're probably not uh, at UNT. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, for sure. I definitely like uh, Jacob Collier and everything he does. It's really, really cool to make the connection between his stuff and, you know, the Academy Theory 1 kind of style class because there are a ton of connections for sure. So I think it's pretty clear. You're pretty passionate about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we – we were looking at some of the some of your uh, journals and some of the work you've done, and some of them are like, oh my god, like way over <laughs> yeah. my head or our heads, I guess. Like the Journal of Shankarian <laughs> Studies. Can you can you tell yeah, us a little bit so about UNT, that? UNT. Not a lot of people know this, but UNT is the has a center for Shankarian Studies. Um, basically, what that is, it's like a a subfield of of music theory. Um, in which you theorize music on structural levels. So it's like, well, what does that mean? What is what is what are structural levels of music? Basically, it means that if you take a melody, you're trying to pare back or pare down by one level some of the embellishments to that melody. So if you just take a melody, if you say like uh, do re mi, da da da, right? I can just say that. And then I can say, dun, da, da, dun, da, 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 right? That's slightly embellished, right? So if I have on the surface level of the music, the dun, da, da, dun, da, 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 I can pare back one layer and be left with, dun, da, da. maybe one layer below that is just, dun, right? So by understanding like the structural layers, you can kind of make decisions about um, what's embellishing, what's more structural at a deeper level, and you can have a better quality performance. It's really kind of aimed at, at pairing oh. with performance that, you know, and you think about your professor wow. might ask you in a lesson, oh, are you playing this just like a flat line, right? Like a monotone or whatever you want to say. Are you playing the line with direction? Or are you just playing it, right? And then you have to think, well, how do I make decisions about where my line is going? Where's my goal of my line? Well, what you're saying by making a big goal is that that moment is like more has more structural significance in some way right and you want to articulate that in your in your performance that's kind of what makes it more artistic it's kind of like a way of collecting evidence for like making certain performance decisions right yeah i think it's really cool so you'd use that to kind of define the direction that the music is heading in terms of your phrasing yeah yeah, like that wild. little one that yeah. I sang, right? I'm not going to play it like this. I'm going to emphasize like the stronger beat, right? And then you can kind of see, well, is it the first one that gets more emphasis or is it the ending one? And you can kind of think about it in terms of, of structural levels. It's really fascinating, I think. That's, that's cool. intuitive for a lot of people, right? I mean, you guys have to make decisions. Um, but if you get a little more systematic about it, then... You might enjoy Shankarian analysis. <laughs> <laughs> and it might be helpful for people who have trouble hearing these kinds of things as well to be able to identify, oh, okay, this is what's happening here. Yeah. No, it helps with sight singing for sure. Like when I teach aural skills, I try to get everyone to kind of hear past certain notes. You know, it's hard to do that. Everyone thinks about, well, I should just sing this note, then the next note, then the next note, then the next note. It's like, well, Yes, to an extent, that's right, you know, but what if you were to think about just singing first and then as an embellishment to that, right, filling in like that. If you think about that, it'll help you really understand like a 
a bigger picture, like the big picture, right? Instead of like kind of missing the forest for the trees concept. You want to you think about things from a big picture as well. It helps. That's wild. And my mind is blown. <laughs> and <laughs> I guess yeah. <laughs> I'm curious about how the, um, so this is an academic journal, right? That publishes out of UNT? Yeah, yeah, UNT Press, um, Journal of Shankarian Studies. I've been the editor for volume 8, 9, 10, and 11. I'm passing it off to Levy Walls, who's doing a fantastic job so far. I kind of mentored him this past year a little bit, and he's doing a great job. I'm kind of sad in a certain way to not be the editor anymore, but I'm also happy that I can spend some time doing some other good projects. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of nice. You know, time is valuable. For sure. Speaking of, uh, what projects are you working on? What is your current research focus kind of based out of? Oh, my goodness. My current research focus? Oh, I'm doing some cool things. Uh, I'm doing a project with Graham Hunt, who's at, at UT Arlington, uh, on Fidelio, Beethoven's Fidelio. Um, we're kind of using Schenkerian analysis and form analysis um, to talk about um, like a villain <laughs> motif, which is Don Pizarro. He's a villain, and you can think of, well, what interval do you think would represent a villain? It might be an augmented second. So if you see Mr. Theory Man scowling at your augmented second, you can also think about, did I intend that augmented second to be a villainous kind of interval? <laughs> I don't know. I love that Mr. Theory Man made it in. <laughs> <laughs> he already came off. He already came off. I could, I could only talk for about 10 minutes without. Um, but yeah, we're talking about how this augmented second kind of represents this Don Pizarro figure who's an uh, unjust, corrupt uh, leader. And then... Uh, Leonora, she is trying to rescue her husband from prison. So he's been unjustly imprisoned. And she has to disguise herself as a man to rescue him. So it's very cool kind of layers um, of plot um, that also kind of is composed out in such a really brilliant and artistic way, I would say. So I'm working on that. And then I'm also working on sight singing. I'm working on a sight singing project. Um, for possibly TMEA, I hope TMEA. Ooh. We just submitted the proposal today. Oh, hope it gets accepted. But it has to do with sight singing assessment. Are we actually assessing what we say we are with sight singing? It's really hard to assess sight singing. Yeah. Somebody comes in, you know, ah, 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 mm. and you think, oh, what was that? Was that a sixty-five or was that a seventy-two or is that an eighty-nine? I don't know. You know, I did this with my TS. I like <laughs> had six sight singing melodies that I did. This is before school started this year. And I made all kinds of errors in them. And I said, what grade would you give this one? What grade would you give that one? And sometimes it was a lot different. You know, some people thought it would be in the B range and another person would think it was a low C range. And I think sight singing assessment is really hard. So what I'm trying to develop is um, a flat rubric. It's called a flat rubric mm. for sight singing. And think, does it? are you actually measuring mm. the objectives? that you're setting out to measure. If you want to modulate to the dominant, you know, you could sing maybe 80 to 90% of the notes correctly, but not modulate to the dominant, right? So yeah. should you really get a 90 on that, you know? <laughs> if you miss the point, yeah. <laughs> if you miss the whole point of the thing, you know what I mean? And then it's like you can kind of direct like your study better. And I feel like it's just a more clear and transparent way of going about doing sight singing. Um, so it's new. So that's why it's, you know, kind of hard to like get off the ground. 
But I think it's worthwhile. I think it's really, really going to help oral skills at UNT. No kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Sightseeing is not easy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Hayden and I recently finished. Oh, God. Or yeah. I don't know when Hayden – when did you finish Arl 4? Uh, just now. This was this past oh, semester. Oh, congrats. Yes. Thanks. I finished it. over winter break. Um, it was like my last one was this past fall. So – Nice. It's been a while. I hope I don't have to look at the Ottman anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of want to get rid of the Ottman, but don't spread that around too fast. But oh. Uh. <laughs> I want to kind of do my own thing, but that'll be yeah. in years to come, hopefully. Sorry. It'll probably be after y'all's time, but it takes yeah. a while to do a sight singing book like that. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess whenever <laughs> you're thinking about, um, like, the pedagogy of RL skills and the pedagogy of music theory. How what does research look like? Does it look like you know conversations with your TFs like we were describing before, or does it look like uh, like polls for students? Like, what does research look like in that area? That's a tough question. I mean, it's kind of an emergent area, really. That um, you know, you have the Journal of Music Theory Pedagogy, obviously, but. Uh, you have a pedagogy and practice conference that just got off the ground about two years ago. Um, but some of them, yeah, all the all the things you mentioned are uh, certainly within the realm of possibility. I mean, you could have somebody doing a massive study of what is better, do bass minor or la minor. You do know, bass I mean, minor. <laughs> and it's like you can have arguments on both sides for sure that yeah. are both based on empirical research. So then you say, ah, well, I don't know what to do. And you have to kind of think about what is your end goal? You know, I mean, a lot of people will ask me, that was kind of an interview question I remember when I had a couple job interviews, not my UNT one, but um, people would ask, you know, well, what's better? do-based minor or law-based. <laughs> we like, should have had that as a rapid fire. <laughs> and I <laughs> you really should have. Uh, and I just said something, you know, it's all about your end goal. You know, like if your end goal is just to sing the melody properly and law-based minor gets you there better, you know, if you're a high school choir teacher and, and you're just trying to get your students to, to sing that melody, then go for it, like by all means. And if you have a goal of understanding, like, the structure of music and the way music works to me it would be a little bit odd to think about a bass line being do re mi la instead of do fa so do that kind of tells you a little bit more about the structure in terms of like dictation right but like a choir director is not going to be teaching people dictation you know what i mean yeah so it depends on what your end goal is you really have to think about the end objective and then make your decision on of what is better. That's that's my answer. I hope it was a good. That was answer. a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most people would take this like really aggressive. It's like the practice north or practice south argument, which we're gonna get to eventually in the rapper. Oh way. yes, but there you go. <laughs> I know my answer already. Okay. Maybe. Oh no, I shouldn't have revealed that. <laughs> no, no, we're good. We can save it. Save it. Save it. You know it. One of there's a lot of music things that people will get really angry. About. The flute versus flute flutist versus flautist argument is I kind of feel oh, like a yeah. similar to the low law based minor versus do based minor. Yeah, yeah, they're both great. They're both really good. Actually, I would like to talk a little more about uh, the pedagogy, like how you have it in practice. You know, you have become essentially the face of the College of Music. You're the face that a lot of people see first thing, like first class of the day, eight in the morning. Um, like when they're freshmen, they're not really sure what's going on. How do you how do you approach pedagogy in terms of like 
the humanistic side of it as well as building their content knowledge? Great question. It's hard. I think that a lot of people take for granted that when they walk into theory one, they're going to be in a room of 20 people, 25 people, and the professor is going to know all of them, you know, within the first week. But that's not true at UNT. I mean, it's just a huge group. And as many people know, and I publicize it in the class, this is the largest music theory class in the United States. So this is a very unique situation. And it's hard as a uh, professor to try and get that same sense of community and also give every person what they need, right? I mean, it's going to be so hard because you figure, well, everybody walking into this room is going to be at a different level. Some people are going to barely be able to really read in treble clef and bass clef. And some people are going to be, well, I made a five on the AP test, so I know everything about music theory, <laughs> right? So how do you possibly connect to everyone, you know? And even the fact that you think about, well, somebody asked a question. Well, surely people are going to ask questions in the class, right? Well, if you have 150 people and everybody asks one question, and let's even pretend that I answer those questions really well in 30 seconds, right? <laughs> That puts me <laughs> 75 minutes. That's 25 minutes more than one class period. So you have to think about, as a professor, how do you really access all of, um, uh, how do you access everything that these uh, incoming freshmen are gonna need in a theory one class? And what I like to do is, I like to say three class rules. A lot of people think, well, class rules in college, what is that? That's, uh, <laughs> oh, they don't need class <laughs> rules. Okay, let me tell you, I think class rules can do wonders in this class in particular. Um, and you guys know my rules. I've got effort, respect, attitude, those three things. It really does come down to those three things. I think even as like an entire college, you know, if you think about what are the goals? What are the things that your teachers are trying to instill in you through your private lessons? You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be, you know, for example, for me, a trumpet player. It doesn't mean you're going to be the next Wynton Marsalis. That's not advice <laughs> your teachers are going to tell you. But if you think about effort, respect, and attitude, those three things will carry you so far. You know, I always tell my class, come in here. I don't expect you to know all of music theory, but I do expect you to give a 100% effort. And what does that mean? Some people come in, and I say, do you know your key signatures? They say, oh, yeah, I know my diagraph. I know my key signatures. Oh, yeah, I know my key signatures. I say, well, here you go. Speed test one, three minutes. Boom. Fail. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 10 out of 50. Yeah. I thought, wait a minute. I thought you said you knew your key signatures. So, and, you know, what I want to create is an environment where failure is safe, right? I say this yeah. over and over. Mm -hmm. Failure is not failure, right? Giving up and not giving 100%, that is failure, right? Anybody in theory one can get a 100% on a speed test. Just take it again. Take it again until you make your 100. So failure is not failure. And it's, as soon as you kind of establish that culture, I think it really helps people come out of their shell and rise to the standard that you set. Instead of saying, okay, you have one chance. This is it. Key signatures. And then we're done. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, well, you may study up until 2 a.m. the night before that, come in at 8 a.m., take it, and then at 9 a.m. you pass out because you can't even <laughs> open your eyes anymore and you forget all your key signatures and all that. And you might as well not even learn any more theory at that point if you know your keys. So 100% effort. Failure is not failure. Super important. 
absolutely those are like i wish that i had been having that as like an inner dialogue all day every day for the (laughs) last like six months i needed to remember that (laughs) Uh, who's not going to encounter failure you know what i mean yeah who's not going to encounter failure some of you probably watched this michael jordan thing during the quarantine it's been going around it's been popularized like a michael jordan um the last dance and talks about michael jordan it goes back in high school you know when he tried out for the team the coach said you're not ready go home be on the jv you know and you start to think to yourself here's michael jordan he's the greatest you know and what did he do well he confronted failure everybody confronts failure in one way shape or form it's all about how you respond to it it's all about can you give your 100 percent and turn it into uh, motivation you know so Absolutely. i think effort is 100 yeah. percent important respect that's my second one you got to be respectful if you think about your freshman class at unt how many different types of talents are in that room i mean that is just it's the talent is off the charts but you think about okay i want to appreciate everybody's talent maybe somebody comes in they're not as good of a reader but wow you listen to something they've composed and it's absolutely brilliant you know so they have some strengths they have some weaknesses you look at somebody else Man, they can improvise. I tried to improvise the other day, just jam session, kind of <laughs> with my son. I got rhythm. There's, everybody's supposed to know rhythm changes, you Aww. know. Man, improvisation. I wish I was better. Me you too. Know? Come join Jazz Pedagogy yeah. Ensemble. Exactly. You should Jazz totally exactly. come, by the way. I really, I really oh, should yeah. come. I really should come. We I would love to have you. We need more trumpets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just maybe somebody else has that kind of gift, you know. You have to respect the diversity of the group that's in front of you. I think that's so important. What I tried to do this past spring was do in class an ensemble from every area, right? The euphoniums, of course, got their own session. They asked me for their own session, and true to form, only would happen at North Texas. But the euphoniums played, string quartet played. We had some. We had a jazz combo play and demonstrate sequences in jazz. That's to amazing. go around and get every area wow. to actually play in the class and talk about how it applies to your area in particular is, I think, a huge part of respect, right, of what that really means to, to respect of the diversity of the room. That's know? amazing. I want to put yeah. that in, a, like, the front page of a, nu- a newspaper. Show everyone <laughs> all the stuff that your kids are doing in this class. Yeah. Encourage all of their different interests in music. If you're a music right. teacher, let, let them make I know. music. Yeah, that's the thing. That's how it all started. It's like I was music ed, you know, back in the day. So I like kind of come from that perspective, but also with the theory component, you know. So the third one is attitude. Attitude is just probably the most important thing you can bring to the table on a daily basis. You know, if you walk into class, what I tell my students is you need to come in here with your 100% best attitude, no matter what else is going on. Because everybody has different things going on outside. Everybody can consider themselves busy. You talk to people during lockdown, people say, I'm busy. (laughs) They probably are. They probably have stuff going on that you have no idea what's going on. But can you come in here for 50 minutes and really give me your 100% best attitude? Everybody can control that, no matter what circumstance you're coming from. I love to say, who controls your attitude? You, you, you. A lot of people will let other people, outside factors, influence their attitude. And it's really a sign of maturity when you're able to overcome that and be able to really control your attitude. Get up every day and say, I want to do it. Have that passion. It all has to comes down to 
do attitude, right? And for a lot of people in theory one, it's tough. Theory one is a hurdle for a lot of people. You know, some people yes. I heard yeah. from the pro- provost office even that, you know, theory one is considered like the gatekeeper course, you know, in, in really? the college of music and people's success <laughs> in theory one kind of correlates with the success overall. <laughs> wow. uh, probably not a surprise to hear. Yeah. Um, probably not surprising to hear that for you guys. Um, but, you know, if you think about keeping a good attitude every day and you, your mind will open up and you'll be able to really, really learn in a deep way instead of just like surface level, right? Going through the motions. I always hate to say, never go through the motions. Never go through the motions. <laughs> yeah, always give 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I those wish, are my three rules. Uh, I wish students would, If I wish there was a way to like let students know how important theory and oral skills is back in theory one because like back in theory one i can i was definitely like oh it's it's theory you know but like now i like oh my god it's so important like in my like in like everything i do musically i suppose um children you're not gonna want to score study and not know when the cadence happens that's all i'm gonna say yeah (laughs) (laughs) and oral skills like for playing especially like a brass instrument like oh my god yeah <laughs> oh my god it's so important yeah and anyway yeah um i would like to share a brief anecdote that just states how important theory <laughs> is once upon a time uh i was in wind ensemble with this good friend of mine bradley who may or may not be listening uh. he's kind of like a cool <laughs> dude he might be too cool for college music <laughs> in context but <laughs> bradley if you're listening thank you you're not too cool you're way cool so <laughs> um <laughs> he made um, let's see, it was a Navy, it was a fleet band on trumpet. This kid is a freshman in college, in his undergrad. I was blown away. And um, he said, I'm not going to take it because I didn't finish theory and oral skills yet, at least the first two or three, because they apply so much to what you're doing when you're performing. You know, as a professional musician, if you don't have a basis for being able to listen, being able to understand harmonies, you will be sunk. <laughs> you just won't be able to function as well as other more studied musicians in that way. So yeah, don't quit. Sure. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, when I, you know, I talked about playing for Hershey in the summer in undergrad, I didn't even realize it, how good my, my theory training was until I got there. And one of our drummers... We had 50 tunes to learn in a week, and he just couldn't read them well enough. He couldn't internalize the music fast enough, you know, and he got fired. He got sent home. Oh, my goodness. I won't say what school he was from. It wasn't North Texas. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I kind of thought, wow, my goodness, he just doesn't have the the fluency. He just doesn't have the skills that he needs to be like a professional musician kind of crazy but like that was straight up he didn't get it you know i mean he won the gig like he was good enough in the audition part but it ain't over till it's over he was there on the gig and he couldn't play all the tunes so it's kind of kind of sad to see him go but that was the reality of the situation that's intense (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know i would also like to point out um especially listeners who may or may not have been to dr graf's class yet um, <laughs> I think one of the most significant things about the three rules that you pointed out a minute ago were you always model them. 
not everyone will model their own rules <laughs> or government. <Yeah>. But um, <laughs> I didn't say that. Truth. Oh no! But truth bomb. <laughs> the um, the clarity of the rules is in the way that you perform them as a leader. Because you know when you were describing respect, a lot of the times teachers will use respect as almost like a threat to their students. Like you need to respect me. But right. you are using yeah. it as you respecting and each other respecting your crafts as musicians. And I like you learn all these kids' names. That's incredible. I can't learn names for yeah. anything. <laughs> and I try really hard. What do you do to learn names, by the way? Sorry. I know. That's a tough one. <laughs> I have to say I learn people's names best when they're in office hour. I'm pretty good with names. Like, I'm not going to say I'm good with names. I'm not going to say I'm bad with names. I'm definitely not bad with names. Like, I will remember people's faces and names better probably than the average person. But... You have a lot of practice. Yeah, I really <laughs> invite people to come to office hour. Um, and that's when I kind of build a good connection with people and really remember them and their studio. I love to ask people what studio they are so I can kind of pair up with instruments or voice types, etc. Um but I cheat on occasion. I will, I will ask the TA. Um, I think there was one time somebody hadn't submitted homeworks. They had like gone through, you know, I'll, occasionally I will look on and see like who's missing some homework assignments and things. And I asked my TA, I was like, who's, who's that person that was missing the, the homeworks? And then I would call that person in class by name. Uh, to try and kind of wake them up a little bit, you know, in, in, a, in a friendly way, of course. Yeah. But uh, occasionally I will ask the TA um, for the names because the TA has the seating chart. The TA has the, the, the seating chart for recital hall. So, yeah, yeah, occasionally. But most of the time I just will know people just by talking to them before class. I love talking to people um, before and after class and an office hour. It just helps me get to know where you guys are coming from and what you're, what you're going through. Like some of the stuff, you know, it's like, oh, we had a big – um, event for Green Brigade or we had a big concert the last night and it's just nice to kind of acknowledge that that you guys were you know up until midnight at a wind studies concert or whatever it is Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, and you, they're you wonderful but they like take a long time <laughs> <laughs> I try like to go as studies, often as I can yeah. I used to go way more uh, without having a, a young toddler at home but now with Lucas it's tougher but yeah, just to like acknowledge that and to acknowledge what's going on with the different studios, like if euphoniums have something or somebody who got an award, you know, like when Greg Stevens got his award, um, I acknowledged him in, in Theory 3 and, you know, Yay. it's just nice to build Yay. that kind of sense of we're all supporting each other, you know, we're not just out on a limb and all of a sudden you come into theory class and it's like, oh, everything that went on in your studio is now out the window, let's focus on one four five one you know it's like well <laughs> if you think about what's going on over here what's going over here you know it should all connect it should all be part of supporting each other and building each other up in you know? context you might say in context <laughs> <laughs> yes man that's wonderful it's you're building yeah, a global community in our college of music which is a lot of people <laughs> yeah it is it's a huge community but the music world is so small and i tell people a lot of time in office hour you know be careful what you say to other people in this building because word travels fast and word travels faster in the music community you know you you can see even um through the lockdown here how closely connected kind of the the music world is um you know even virtually now a lot of the time but 
people are so closely connected you know do not show up late for that gig because word travels fast you don't want to be that guy or that girl whatever it is you know you want to show up and know your stuff and and do your thing yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's hard to do at first you learn and feel free to seek help listeners if you think that you're struggling in these ways everyone struggles we all have problems with being late oh no i slept through class please help i turned in this assignment late whatever it is oh my god communicating with your teachers is the best thing you can do because it'll look like you don't care if you don't say anything instead of making you look better (laughs) yeah but if you (laughs) do care let them know and if you're struggling they'll help you Every single one of the faculty wants to help the students. Every single one. That is so true, especially true at North Texas. I mean, one issue that that I told you guys that is central uh, to me that I wanted to emphasize is like this self-awareness concept. Yeah. That when people come in to UNT, they kind of a lot of times go on this you know, journey or roller coaster ride of self-awareness, you know, and if you take, for example, me on the trumpet, I remember a lot of times where I had kind of some dips where I thought, oh my goodness, I'm just horrible. I'm just the world's worst trumpet player. Like, why am I even picking up this instrument every morning, you know? And you will go through that. You will go through that and you will have some dips and you'll also have some roller coaster highs where you think, oh my goodness, I am I'm the best trumpet player. I might as well record this concerto now so that I can put it on a CD next to Wynton Marsalis. You know, you'll have those highs. And I think one thing that is really important to emphasize coming in, especially in your first year and, you know, kind of tapering off a little bit as you get as you get older, is to kind of maintain a very balanced awareness of self. You're not probably not the world's worst trumpet player. You're probably not the world's best trumpet player either. You're somewhere in the middle, but be realistic about where you are with yourself. What is an achievable goal for you? Think about that. Don't worry about what's an achievable goal for the person sitting next to you in class. Don't worry about what's an achievable goal for Hayden. Don't worry about what's an achievable goal for Hannah. Worry about what is an achievable goal for Ben Graff. And do that. And when you accomplish that, that's the next step. Feel good about it. Go on to the next thing. Don't try to you know, go out and run a marathon tomorrow. I, when I met Wynton Marcellus, actually, I asked him, what is the one thing of advice you would give to a beginning-level trumpet player? And he said, if you want to go out and run a marathon, don't just get up and do it the next day. Go out the next morning and run one-fourth of one mile. And then the next day, run a half mile. And I think that speaks to kind of this self-awareness that, well, what is a manageable goal for me right now? Is it to go out and run a marathon tomorrow? No, then you're just going to injure yourself. You're going to go back to that sense of failure. Oh, I didn't do it. I didn't make it. I only made it 10 miles. It's like, wait a minute, you made it 10 miles? That's awesome. So, you know, if you think about what's really realistic for you at that stage, you know, you know, some people, like I said, tell me, oh, I know my key signatures. Well, do you really know your key signatures? (laughs) Let me see. Let me see that 50 (laughs) out of 50. Then I'll tell you that you know your key signatures. So just be realistic about where you are and do one step at a time until you get to the top. Oh, these always end <laughs> so like glorious. I know. <laughs> yeah. I can't. You can't follow that up. <laughs> yeah. Except with rapid fire questions. Rapid fire. Oh, yeah. I didn't pre-study okay. on this. I'm not gonna lie. I have no idea what these are. Excellent. Uh, okay. So <laughs> we we make up you... new ones every time, and we like to reuse. Okay. Them. Good. 
they're okay, all good. Yeah. I love it. It's be great. Are you first or me? Oh gosh. Um, I'll I'll start. Okay. Okay. So the first question: favorite jelly bean. Oh my goodness, my favorite jelly bean. Oh, I like the mint ones, like the green kind of minty ones. There's mint ones. What? Yeah. Oh, no, you can have a green like minty one. Yeah, they're really good. That sounds okay. good. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe. I. Hmm, you have to. Maybe I, you have to get the gourmet. I don't know. I don't eat them oh. that often. But I've got some. Is there like a specific brand or Jelly Belly, right? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Jelly Belly. Yeah, they're so good. My son loves jelly beans now too. Oh my Aww. goodness. Oh. He really does. Cute. Okay. You have thirty seconds to take as much as you want from a store of your choosing. What store do you go to? Oh my goodness. Probably PGA Tour Superstore. <laughs> 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 That's so sad of me to say, but it's so true. I love really? going there. They have an indoor tennis court there, and they have all of these cool um, golf simulators. I don't know. I, I really like playing golf and tennis. Some of you know that. I coach tennis Aww. for DBU. Aww. But, yeah, they have, like, um, all this cool stuff that I would never buy for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but Fair. if I had that opportunity, then, yeah, I would do it. <laughs> all right. Waffle House or IHOP? Oh, I've always liked IHOP. Everyone says IHOP. What? Yeah, why? That little IHOP next to Mozart. You know, everybody used to go there at the wee hours in the morning and get food after various other activities. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember my post-Win Studies IHOPs before that died. I know. It's so sad. So sad. Yeah. I I think they'll build another one, though. I really do. I think it'll take off again. It'll just be a matter of time. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Is cereal and milk soup? No, no, no. That's not soup. Because <laughs> soup is meant to be like soggy and like soaked. But cereal is supposed to be the milk is just like an accompaniment to the cereal. That's fair. Ah, I see. I, that's an acceptable <laughs> answer. I appreciate the yeah. logic. I like I to it. give the yeah. rationale. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's <important>. my enneagram. <laughs> I'm a nine. I'm a nine enneagram. For those of you that follow enneagrams, I'm a peacemaker enneagram. Oh, I don't. Oh. I, I would give up like a fake number. I'm a 27. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh, what is. Oh, is my turn? Yeah. What is your yes. Pokemon type? Oh, my goodness. I have no clue. I've, I've never followed Pokemon. I really? wish I could answer it better. I mean, I know like what a Charizard is and stuff, and I know like a Pikachu, but I don't know like what my type would be. I mm. feel like you would be a good Pikachu. Oh, you're an electric type. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. We used to do the DBU. Used to do the, um, what is your Harry Potter house? Oh. Have you guys ever done that? Write that down. Write that down. They said <laughs> I would do. Yeah, write that down. <laughs> they said I would be Hufflepuff. Oh, cause they, because lo- like, yeah, they're sure. loyal. I would call you a Gryffindor probably. They said they said they were between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff for me. Yeah. That's fair. I, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was super fun. Oh, we're excited <laughs> about this next one. Go ahead. Ah, oh, right. Okay, what is it? <clears throat> <laughs> favorite Dippin' Dots flavor? Oh, mint chocolate chip, definitely. Ooh, yeah. good okay. answer. I love mint chocolate chip. Mm. I just, I just like mint. I'll confess, I really, really <laughs> like that mint flavor. But mint chocolate chip. We used to get free Dippin' Dots at Hershey. Don't tell anyone that. Just, no I just said it on a 
public podcast. Oh my god, I have to go yeah. to Hershey right now. They have everything yeah, we need. Field trip. <laughs> yeah, the Dippin' Dots guy was really good friends with our band captain, saxophone player, <laughs> and he would take the extra Dippin' Dots, and we would have it every afternoon at like four or five o'clock. We'd have some Dippin' Dots. Oh my god, really Hayden! Good. Wow, that's your ideal exist. You need to go meet that guy. <laughs> I know we didn't have a euphonium. I'm so sorry we didn't have a euphonium in the van. <laughs> well, that we definitely had, but <laughs> um, I run a um a Facebook group. If you didn't know, called the the Dippin' Dots Fan Club, and the majority of the College of Music is in it. It like really blew up one day, and now I'm there. like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like known as the Dippin' Dots guy now. It's crazy. Like I hear people in Bruce, like I'll go to eat lunch, and people are like, oh my god, it's the Dippin' Dots guy. <laughs> and, oh my! Yeah, secret, like, unintentional fame. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my yeah. goodness! Communities are practice. Oh, this one's good. Yes. What is? Who is your favorite Paw Patrol member? Oh man, uh, mine's probably Chase. I like Chase. Yeah. Who is Chase? He seems. To, <laughs> he seems to take care of business. He's. Uh, let's see. What kind of? He's like a brown, uh, kind of police officer-looking dog kind of thing. All right. Okay, give me a sec. I'm looking up. Him. It's hard to describe the Paw Patrol. <laughs> oh, he's a cutie. Oh, Chase is great. He's a great. Yeah. Guy. He oh, has I all kind of cool gadgets on his on his backpack, and he has a nice car. So, yeah. <laughs> he's a dog. I don't like the, the, my son likes like the excavators and the. I don't. I'm not really into that, but I like a nice good car. That's with fair. a lot of good, a <laughs> lot of good tools on it. Yeah. You're a rational yes. adult. You like Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. My son just wants to move rocks and destroy things. So he wants the excavator. Aw, cute. Yeah. Okay. If you were a breakfast menu item at McDonald's, what would you be? Breakfast menu item? Probably Egg McMuffin. Oh, I love the Egg McMuffins. Oh. We were speculating that you might be a McGriddle, but I feel like those yeah. are pretty close. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, for sure. No, I like make eggs pretty much every day, I would say. I mean, every other day, maybe. Scrambled eggs. I don't know how to make a lot of different types of eggs, but I love making some scrambled eggs. and They're really good. Yeah. Sure. Oh, this one's a good one. What is your favorite Subhub sandwich? Like, do you have a regular order? Oh, the turkey. The turkey. I've always liked the turkey sub. It's always been one of my favorites. Sometimes I get with cheese, sometimes without cheese. Keeping it Absolutely fancy. love it. Mix it up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Mix it up. But yeah, no, I've gotten that sandwich. I mean, I used to get it way more when I was in grad school. I used to get it all the time. Now, less because I like to eat at Bruce. You do? Oh, and I like to eat oh, super yeah, healthy. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Yeah, Graff will like... regularly, after his theory class, visit in Bruce. So you Bruce Hall oh, yeah, residents sure. can come and say hi. <laughs> yeah, and I did my trivia question for you can win lunch with me and I'll treat you to lunch. Oh Bruce my God, Hall. you did that? That's really? amazing. Anna Schmelzer won, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was what symphony begins with the progression 651. What was it? And it's Mahler Resurrection Symphony. Oh, Mahler 2. Wow. Yeah, there's a movement that begins 651. Urlicht. But anyways, too many details. But she got it right and I was like, hey, Let's do Come lunch at Bruce lunch. Hall. <laughs> so I had lunch with Aww. Anna and her friends at Bruce. It was really fun. Aww. Wow. Yeah. That's lovely. Okay. The only trumpets left in the world are pea trumpets, which are the, the plastic trumpets. What color do you choose? Oh, green. Coming green. Yeah. <laughs> You're sure. the first person who said I've green. I've always liked green. <laughs> I've always liked green. Like, And now UNT, it's like made the problem even more. <laughs> everything uh, green. Yeah, everything's green. 
I have my UNT flag outside my house and yeah, I know I love green. I, I will wear UNT green probably till my last day, honestly, because I just love green and I love UNT. Aww. Wow. Go mean yeah, green. Yeah, for sure. Go the green, green one. All right. For Speaking sure. Of mean green. <laughs> practice north or south and why? Okay, I've always gone to north. I cannot explain why. I think it's just because it's closer to where I park my car. Yeah. I always used to park. I used to get to school always real early. I still do, I think, relative to some of the other faculty. But uh, I always park like on that side that's closer to the um, Chilton Hall. And north is obviously going to be more convenient. So I've just always gone to north. And that's it. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't have any really thing against South, but like, yeah, North, <laughs> they're definitely. They're the same. <laughs> no, they're not. They're different. <laughs> so you uh, prefer South, Hayden? I do. I do. South, look, it's it's got a homey feel to it, okay? And No. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Favorite M&M flavor? Favorite M&M flavor? Are they even flavors? I thought they were just colors. They're just colors. Um, favorite color? I mean, I would say green. I like the green ones. Um, are there green ones? I don't know. I like the brown ones, too. Uh, something about the brown M&M is kind of good because, like, you get that chocolatey vibe from it. Yes. Versus, like, yeah. Absolutely. I don't know. I feel like, to me, like, chocolate versus, like, straight candy, you know, like, gummy worms or, like, sweet tarts or something. I like, like, the chocolatey vibe, you know? I do too. So if you get the brown M&M, yeah. you kind of maintain that like chocolatey look to it, you know? I agree mm -hmm. with that. And I, I appreciate uh, their addition to the color palette. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My son's favorite color is brown. Have you ever seen someone whose favorite color is brown? Is that? No. Really? Never. It's so I've unusual. I've never had that. I've never <laughs> asked someone their yeah. favorite color and had the answer be brown. <laughs> I took my son to the Dallas Arboretum. All the flowers. He says, where are the brown flowers? So I'm like, Lucas, so they, the like, they clear them out because they died. Like, you know, oh, no. so, you know, he's like looking for the brown flowers. So, so funny. He loves brown. He's going to so be a really low maintenance gardener. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at my brown garden. Guys. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> so funny. Oh, but, it's yeah. my turn. Oh, I hope you like this one. Favorite Zelda game and why? Oh, my goodness. Ah, I got really into Zelda. Um. I supervised this thesis on Zelda music last year and uh, I started, I played the new Zelda cause I thought, well, I need to know the latest version. Oh, Breath of the Wild? And I thought it was cool, but yeah, where you just have like the open um, overworld kind of so space, much. you know, it's kind of nice to explore the overworld, but then it's like, how about the classic Zelda? How about like Twilight <laughs> Princess? A lot of the music of Twilight Princess is really good. Um, yeah. So I'll probably, I'll probably go with that one. I like, I like Twilight Princess. Tough question, on. though. Tough question. It's hard the to original pay. Zelda theme is absolutely fantastic. As you guys know, the Neapolitan, in my opinion, <laughs> represents a confrontation with death and then overcoming. I teach that to my Theory 3 usually. Oh. Mm. I wish yeah. I'd been in your Theory 3 class. What? Super Me fun. Too. I teach the Zelda theme song. Pretty fun. Mr. Theory <laughs> Man has quite the range of emotion in, in the opening to Zelda. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All of the darkness of that modally darkened flat side all the way to the neapolitan and then overcoming it to become five of five i have any it's crazy if you even if you play the zelda theme for um non-musicians they'll immediately be able to tell you um where that kind of moment of switch from neapolitan to five of five is it's crazy without any understanding of harmony whatsoever huh. wow 
Yeah, it's really cool. But anyways. Okay. If you had to change your kid's name to a music term, what would their name be? Oh, my gosh. Lucas? Agitato? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think. A music term for Lucas. Oh, my goodness. The stakes are higher because this person is real. Usually they don't. Like, you're the first person yeah. we've interviewed that's actually had a kid. So this question becomes more real. <laughs> yeah. Pre-quarantine or post-quarantine? I'm just kidding. Um, I guess we're not post-quarantine. Are we? We're still quarantined. We're still quarantined, um, yeah. I don't know. It's a tough one. I feel like maybe something like Alargando Arlar- because it's, he has like this kind of big, he likes like bigger and he likes to outdo you kind of. And uh, he is not getting softer by any means. He would definitely be like a crescendo kind of towards a big overcoming moment, like an Alargando kind of moment. Yeah. Aww. What a cool name. That You can't not be an awesome person and be named Alargando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should have gone with that. Who thought Lucas to Alargando? <laughs> get, get me the form right now. <laughs> Crossing off it. We're first I remember filling that out and thinking, I hope to God there are no typos in this. <laughs> <laughs> that would be super stressful. I would that never would thought be, about that. Yeah. It's super uh, stressful filling out that information. It is. Hayden, I, I would like to request to override the last question. Okay, go can, for it. Can I ask? It's really important. Okay, yeah. Okay, when was the first pew? <laughs> oh, my gosh. When was the first pew? People ask me this all the time. When was your first pew? You pew, 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 pew. When was your first pew? I don't know when the first pew was. I was just teaching. I want to say it was when I taught at UT Arlington, but I cannot tell you that for sure. But, uh, yeah, I just everyone kind of the vibe i don't know i'm big into like feeling the vibe of the class like the energy of the class and like you start to see people just going through the motions and that's like the worst thing for me so i just needed something to wake them up and pew, 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 pew. that was just the <laughs> thing i just stand up. everyone everyone just loved it and like they were like so into it every time they were going for the pews and it, it makes me laugh every thing. time <laughs> it became yeah. a thing and now like you know people have pew tallies and like I just get amped. It kind of pumps me up, too, in the middle of the lecture. And, uh, yeah, I love it. I hope nobody interprets it as, like, a gun thing. It's really more of, like, the <laughs> oh. laser oh video God. game pewing. Yeah. Um, I did get somebody ask me about that one time. Are, are we, you, like, a gun advocate? And I'm like, no, <laughs> oh no. no. Don't, oh my like, God. don't make me into that. It's just, like, a video game laser pewing, like, iPhone <laughs> yeah. to iPhone pew. I was thinking it was, like, stormtroopers Z. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like stormtroopers, like Star Wars. Exactly. You never that hit anybody. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, the pews went down after that. I was like, am I like offending people with my pews? Oh. Didn't mean to but, get political. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny because some people, when I had the pew pew, my students got me that pew pew mug. Yeah. Which I love, by the way. I use it every day when I'm on campus. I hope we go back and I can have my pew pew mug. Is and, it on uh, campus right now? Did you have to abandon it? I have everything from my office right here in my in my home office oh. now. Oh, good. Yeah, I had to move everything out. Feels like home again, doesn't it? <laughs> now that you have all your Lucas stuff from your get, office. Now Lucas is getting into all my music theory documents. He's going to become a mad genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, uh, the Pew Pew mug, people will see it, and they'll be like, what is that, Pooh Pooh? I'm like, no, it's Pew Pew, Pew Pew. <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, it's fun. it's fun explaining it to people, so. Dr. Emanuel knew what it was when I came into um, 
our meeting, our undergraduate curriculum meeting, Dr. Emanuel knew it was pew pew. She was like, oh yeah, pew 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 pew. <laughs> Put that in the <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> write it down. Write that down. <laughs> she thought it was really funny. She's so cool. I'm going to miss her so much. Me too. Yeah. We're going to have to get her oh, well. on here. Soon. Okay. Oh yeah, we should. Anyway, uh, last question. How was your day? Oh my gosh, my day's been great. We're leaving for a camping trip tomorrow to Arkansas. So Oh my wow. god, that's so fun. Yes, we're so psyched to like finally do something. <laughs> you know? And that's the one yeah. thing we think we can do is like go somewhere to the middle of nowhere and just stay in a cabin unto ourselves pretty much. So we're gonna do that. And Lucas actually really likes camping, so Aww. he um you know, he's been getting up every night around two thirty. He's been had some He's been scared a little bit just from some of the books he's been reading have had some scary figures in them. Like, I don't know if any of you know Rapunzel, how like there's this woman figure that takes Rapunzel because she's magical and then she finally returns back at the end of the book. But, yeah, you know, if you read stuff like that, your kind of imagination runs wild, you know, and uh, but when he's camping, he's really like at peace kind of. So I feel like camping can be wow. good for him. And at least she loves quarantine because she's only seven months old. So she loves quarantine. She just loves hanging out oh. with the fam at home. It's like our dogs. <laughs> she's going to. There you go. Exactly. I don't so, know what's going on, but this is great. <laughs> yeah. She's going to love it. She just she just likes the, the, the time with, with mommy and daddy. So, yeah. That's yeah thanks for asking thanks so much for having me on really it's it's a pleasure to be on here and i'm honored that you guys asked me to to be on the podcast i really hope that this takes off i think it's a good thing to be having these conversations of course thank you so much for being on we we can't tell you how much we appreciate it um you're welcome but anyway that it's uh it for us this week i guess uh we'll see you guys next week bye bye, bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the UNT College of Music in Context podcast. What'd you think? Our parents have allowed us to have some more social media accounts. So in addition to following our Twitter at UNT Comic Podcast, go ahead and like and follow our Facebook page, which is also at UNT Comic Podcast. Surprise, they're the same. (laughs) So you can check either of those to see announcements, new episodes weekly, and a place for you to ask your very own questions to our guest each week in a segment called, drumroll please cleverly titled viewer question segment woo yeah a week before we interview our guests you can check our socials for a post which you can reply to with all of your burning questions i know you have them i did (laughs) okay well thanks for watching this is me hayden drew and hannah signing off we'll catch you guys next week love y'all bye